Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. And away we go. It's Fantasy Sports Today right here. On the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, FNTSY, Dan Stravert and Mike Blewett with you. For the next two hours, getting you up to date on all things sports, we're going to take a look back at the NBA trade deadline, touch on the Super Bowl, baseball is on its way, and we'll talk a little bit about NFL nepotism, because it didn't take long for the Jets to become the Jets once again. Mike Blewett, how the hell are you doing this morning? I'm doing all right, buddy. You know, the lead into the show uh, did not age well. I, I, me talking about <laughs> me talking about McVeigh uh, not coaching a certain way. I, I don't know if he coached much at all, which is part of the reason why they lost. But uh, good to be on. Uh, I'm playing a little bit under the weather, uh, which is a bad deal when you have to go to Vegas for the next four days. But uh, I'm excited to be on with you, bud. Yeah, same here. Lots to talk about. Uh, all sports on deck here, really, as we go through uh, the Saturday morning show. We'll lead you up to 10 a.m., uh, and then you'll uh, be taking care of the rest of the way here on Fantasy Sports Radio, as we always do. Don't forget, download the app. Bring us with you. Why not? Hit the road. We'll go with you. You'll hear me and Mike. Uh, as Mike said, he's a little under the weather, but he's here. It's his Willis Reed game. He's he's out That's of the right. tunnel. He's coming That's out right. onto the court. And for you kids who don't get that, look it up. Um, but anyway... We have a lot to dive into here uh, going across all sports. And I guess the, the biggest stories of the week centered around the NBA trade deadline, Mike. And uh, while lots of faces were in new places as of Friday, saw a lot of debuts in, in new cities, the biggest story probably is who did not get traded. And that was, uh, of course, Anthony Davis for New Orleans. Now, you and I were talking before the show kicked off about uh, really an interesting sort of days of our lives as the world turns aspect to this. For those of you who don't know, those are soap operas um, that uh, the New Orleans Pelicans may have had a little bit of deceit and uh, underhandedness in their dealings with the L.A. Lakers. Yeah, so... That's the interesting thing to come out of this. And obviously there's some winners and losers. You see the Bucks going for it. They pick up Nico Miritich, and that's a big win. And there's some other winners and losers in this as well. And we can get to my Knicks in a minute. But as far as the, you know, what many people thought to be the absolute, what was thought to be the absolute number one story of this trade deadline was Anthony Davis getting moved. And it right. quickly became apparent that because – the other teams had to wait. Teams like the Celtics and the Knicks getting a better handle on what the free agency market was actually going to deliver for them, that it behooved the Pelicans to wait. And because, obviously, there's times, and Rich Paul got fined for tampering, and it's clear tampering. You can't have LeBron's agent and his company 
who represents Anthony Davis, right, creating a situation where they know. I mean, if everybody else could figure it out in a few minutes, any NBA insider, they obviously know that the market was going to be immediately for the Lakers. And there's a lot of different tentacles here, but at the end of the day, it appears that the Pelicans said, fine, you want to call it out and get us traded to L.A.? How about we just leak a few things out there, dangle a few things in front of you, take your phone calls, and then have never any intention of trading him to L.A., at least at this point. doesn't mean they can't do it in the future, but everybody knows that Anthony Davis wanted to go to L.A. now, and they weren't going to let it happen. Uh, Brian Windhorst from ESPN basically said, it isn't just rumor. That's what they did. They worked the Lakers by making them look bad here at the trade deadline. Unfortunately, it puts Luke Walton in an impossible position where he's got every young player on the team knows that they're not part of the future or likely not part of the future, and they got to play, play with a demanding LeBron James, which what's the point? They're all completely fungible now. It's uh, I, I don't know if you saw the Pacers-Lakers game before the trade deadline where I believe it was uh, Brandon Ingram stepped up to the free throw line yeah. and a good portion of the Pacers uh, fans chanted, LeBron's going to trade you. And yeah. like, listen, and he heard these it. Are, yeah, he said these he heard it. Kids, for the large part, these are guys who are 19 to 23 years old, who are trying to find their way in the NBA, who are being told that the job they currently have, they're not going to have in the next few months. Playing in Los Angeles, and hell, you know, New Orleans is a fun city too. Um, but that's part of the the NBA experience for these younger guys is is getting to know the league, but also living in cities where they can have a social life, and to not only have that aspect hanging over you, but have other fans shove it in your face. It's going to be really intriguing to see what the Lakers do down the stretch here. Uh, do they fall apart completely? Does Luke Walton get fired? Like, does this become where LeBron... I, I, I can't imagine he'll, he'll survive. I, I think definitely starting 2019-2020, he is no longer there. But I, right. I don't know if he will uh, be sort of the sacrificial lamb through the end of the year. And maybe they'll hire Tyron Lue. Well, we'll get Tyron Lue into... Yeah, to, I mean, whoever Lakers, LeBron but. wants to coach is, is who they'll hire. So, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think he could make it to the end of the year at best, but I, I'm with you. I, I don't think he starts the season. I think they, they start fresh. They either get this Anthony Davis deal done or some other kind of deal done. Look, the LeBron James, the, Magic Johnson was installed in order to try to bring a couple of massive free agents and turn their fortunes around in L.A. The LeBron thing, as it turns out, Magic didn't need to be there. He didn't need to be there for that. LeBron wanted to be in L.A. It helps a little bit. But the reality is if Magic Johnson was never installed as president of basketball operations or GM, no, he's Palenka's the GM, Magic's president of basketball operations. If Magic wasn't there, then LeBron was going there anyway. He wants to be in Los Angeles because of the next, next phase of his career, creating TV shows, movies, all that kind of stuff. But um, so that's a B is that this is really when Magic's job starts. Now, there are rumors out there that the Lakers offered like seven players and six draft picks. That's the entire team other than LeBron to get Anthony Davis. Now, to be honest, 
I would rather have the LeBron Anthony Davis side of that than uh, those players and picks because they're known commodities. But at the same time, uh, it makes them look desperate. I was watching a clip oh, of, of Colin Cowherd this morning, and he was saying th- they're not the Bills or the previously the Cleveland Browns. They don't have to rebuild like that. Like Honestly, free agents are just going to go there. As long as somebody can stop them playing with LeBron, and there are some guys that can't. Hello, Kyrie. But yeah. it's the reality is they shouldn't be desperate in that way. And now it made them look even worse, and the Pels trolled them. Uh, all the way through the trade deadline. So playing with hard. Anthony Davis very, for the very next hard. year in New Orleans is going to be brutal, and playing in Los Angeles is going to be brutal. And there's people listening to this and saying, uh, you know what, they get paid a lot of money to play a kid's game. All true. I get that. Right. Uh, yep. But I do have sympathy for guys that are put in situations like this where they – some of them have families, and they don't know where they're going to be sleeping the next night. So I do have sympathy for that. And to expect a guy to give 100% every right. night, I think mentally that would be difficult when you know you're not going to be playing for this team. And listen, this isn't apples to apples, more uh, a, a cross analogy, but think of a, a company that is announcing layoffs. And you've been told a month in advance, hey, you know, sorry, your job's getting taken away. You're not going to put in 100% max effort over that month. You're going to wait for your buyout. You're going to wait for the time to come for you to leave, and you're going to leave. Now, maybe you're that 1% of, of the population who says, ah, you know, I, I'm a hard worker no matter what. I'm going to show uh, show out. That's not me. <laughs> if I'm told I'm going to be traded or I'm going to be sacked in, in a month, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it a little easy. I'm going to not yeah. give max effort. And that's I just point. think that's the nature of nature of the beast here. Uh, so maybe like, analogy. That, that happened playoffs. to me. That actually happened, happened to me. To me. And, yeah, yeah. and so, uh, you know, a, a buyout was announced at a company that I worked for that they were being purchased. And it took me, I don't know, an hour to figure out that <laughs> I wasn't that I wasn't going to be the math part wasn't the in your favor. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So um, I wasn't getting I and I didn't know I knew I wasn't going to be part of that new company that the division I worked for was being spun off. But what I didn't know if it's, if I had a job or not. So for a good six or seven weeks, yep, I just was like, all right, uh, I'm just going to hang out and, uh, you know, see what happens. Like it, it, there was just no reason to – it doesn't mean I didn't show up to work, but right. 100%. I was far from 100%, I'll say that. There it is. Uh, we have other trades to, to go through. Uh, you mentioned the Miritich deal uh, for Milwaukee. Now, I said it during the week. I'm not uh, trying to think that <laughs> any team made themselves favorites over the Golden State Warriors. I, I don't think anyone did. That lineup is just too deep and too strong uh, that I, I think they are still the odds-on favorites to win the title. But in the East... What the Raptors and what the Bucks did is intriguing and may give us an NBA Finals of some entertainment. Uh, obviously, things can happen. There can be injuries and, and, and things can go off the rails a little bit for any of these teams. But uh, with Marcus All going to Toronto, Toronto really, Mike here, is all in. Like, this is 
Toronto sees their window with Kawhi and Kyle Lowry and, uh, you know, Siakam's playing well. So they go get Gasol. And then in Milwaukee, they go out and get Nikola Mirotic, now who's still dealing with a calf injury. But he gives them sort of an element of a death lineup to an extent where he can play the five or even put Giannis at the five, put uh, Brooke Lopez on the bench. Uh, and then you have a really long defensive unit in Brogdon, Middleton, uh, Bledsoe, Giannis and, and Mirtic, but also offensive firepower that can just open up the lane. What was your favorite deal? What was the team you felt improved themselves the most? Uh, and who are you most intrigued to see in their new city? I do think the Nika Mirtic thing kind of cements them as the one seed. And I, I think the Bucks are a real issue now. Obviously, the Pacers are a totally different team with Oladipo being gone for the rest of the year. And I don't see them being a challenger. But... Uh, because Philly has changed so many pieces, I guess my curiosity is is peaked with Tobias Harris there and figuring out exactly what that team looks like now that they're they're, they're done with Markel Fultz and there are uh, still many relatively new pieces. Jimmy Butler, who's perpetually unhappy, and uh, obviously you got. Embiid and Simmons there, and how does Tobias Harris fit with that? So I think my curiosity is is most piqued by Philly, but I feel best about Nico Miritic just because I think it really gives them an added element beyond Giannis so that he doesn't have to necessarily carry the team every single night. You know, he's a dangerous three-point shooter. He's a stretch power forward, which helps them a ton. And I just think an added weapon for Giannis. People were like, ah, you know what? The Bucks are pretty good this year. That was a thought. Now, I think the Bucks are a real problem for Toronto and Philly and Boston and anybody else. And if you told me that the Bucks came out of the East, I no longer would be surprised. It's pretty amazing that uh, the Bucken, uh, the Buccaneers, the, the Bucks um, here were probably underrated even going into the trade deadline. I, I think it's so easy for a typical NBA fan, myself being one of them, to sort of discount what they've done on the air and think, um, I mean, come on, it's Bledsoe and Brogdon and Middleton. Yeah, Giannis is great, but they're not that good. The metrics say they are, and to add Miritich. This is you're right. Like this is a dangerous team now in the East, and I I think legitimately will present problems for Golden State again. Not in ways that they beat Golden State, uh, but I do think it opens up what could finally be uh, a, a challenger to Golden State over the past couple of years. Yes, I know Cleveland won, and uh, that was a series that you can take a couple of di- different things out of. But uh, this has been a dynasty for the Warriors. We know it's <laughs> almost a foregone conclusion of who's going to be in the finals when LeBron was in the East. Uh, but now we have a little bit of intrigue between Milwaukee and Toronto. And I think you're right also with the 76ers. Very intriguing to see how all those pieces fit and what they do in the offseason. Do they try to keep all four of those guys together or move on in some way? Uh, plenty still to talk to. We'll touch on maybe one or two more trades on the other side of this break. In the next segment, we're going to touch on some nepotism in sports, mainly the NFL and the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 being just that, the same old Jets. Back with more on the other side of this break. Dan Stravert, Mike Blewett, Fantasy Sports Day, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, FNTSY. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, 
or download the Fancy Sports Radio Network app. The Fancy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fancy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fancy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fancy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Trevor, Mike Blewett here on Fantasy Sports Today. Wondering, Mike, I don't know if this is your wheelhouse or demo, but have you listened to the Teal album by Weezer as of yet? I have not. I would, though. They're not out of my sweet spot. I have not, though. All right, so it's a fun album. And uh, for those of you who have seen the Weezer Africa cover, it's basically all cover songs. Um, But uh, obviously that was uh, Buddy Holly on the way back in triggered that memory it's it's a fun listen is it like peak weezer pinkerton slash blue album no but it's fun to listen to and uh the cover of no scrubs is is very very spot on i wanted to touch on the porzingis trade and i think this is uh, talking about winners and losers uh mike of the trade deadline the knicks got out in front of it and we talked about it. Now we have to trust this front office to go out and sign two max players. We're now hearing rumors that Kyrie and the Celtics are, and I, I'm quoting directly here, are quote-unquote engaged. Now Danny Ainge meant to say we're engaged in signing talks, but it, everyone wrote the headline of save the date, Celtics and Kyrie engaged. Um, great. Great headline. So you have, it's a no-brainer. It's well done. Um, you have... Uh, that happening, which could alter Knicks' plans. But so Porzingis dealt to Dallas. Uh, you get some pieces back. Wes Matthews waved. Enos Cantor waved. Uh, the Knicks going with the youth movement. Uh, Dan Smith Jr. with a gigantic game Friday night. Knicks get blown out anyway. Uh, overall take on that deal and the ramifications therein. So you would consider Porzingis to be an all-star level player, yes? Uh, I w- went healthy, I, that caveat, but yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and he's 23, right? Yes, sir. So they traded an all-star level player that's 23 years old that's on a rookie contract. Mm-hmm. Why do you have to trade that guy? Because he said he was unhappy, and he said he didn't want to be there. Like, th- the teams are just letting the – te- the teams like the Pelicans are being like, okay, I heard you. I get it. You don't want to be here. So we'll figure out what the best deal is for us, uh, and then we'll move it. Uh, and then maybe we'll move you, you know, before your contract expires. The Knicks, it seems, heard what he had to say and immediately shopped him. I'm not saying they didn't get a lot or that there isn't an opportunity for them to be good again. But I didn't want to trade Porzingis. The whole point, the whole plan, I thought, was to leave Porzingis here, get him healthy through this whole season, and then have available space for a max player and still have a top pick. Right. So now they're hoping that Kyrie is unhappy in Boston, and he changes his mind every two weeks, 
and they apparently, quote unquote, know that KD is coming here. I do think KD is unhappy in Golden State, but it's not a hundred percent that he'll leave, and it's not a, certainly not a hundred percent that he'll be here. In fact, he's getting irritated about people pinning him there. And KD is yep. a mercurial dude, and he might be like, you know what? I'm 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 tired of people predicting my life because he's so upset all the time now with media. <laughs> That I'm gonna go and do what nobody expects, and I'm gonna Cavaliers end up in baby. Toronto. I'm gonna end go up to in Cleveland. Toronto when Kawhi leaves. Or, yeah, God help. Go to me. Cleveland. Cleveland. Just go prove, go prove that LeBron couldn't do it. You can do it. You want to talk about being the best of all time? There you go. Yeah, that, that's so, the path forward. So that's the problem I have. I'm supposed to now trust the Knicks that haven't made a solid free agency move in two decades. That they are now gonna land two guys. And make the right pick. Why does everybody keep saying Zion's going to the Knicks? They have to win the lottery. That's right. And it's There's what, no 14% chance, right? Yep. That's a yep. not a good it's, chance, by the way. It, no. <laughs> last, last time I checked, that's less than 50-50. But um, here's the deal. Uh, I am wholeheartedly in agreement with you that this reeks of one desperation. You're talking about the Lakers. This is the Knicks trying to clear cap space again. Uh, for something that just may not happen. This is the buddy who tells you he's going to pick you up every time you come to visit, and he always falls asleep. Uh, the Knicks get promised that a, a free agent's going to come sign with them, and then they don't show up. They don't come. Uh, this could be a mess. This could turn from KD and Kyrie uh, into DeMarcus and Jimmy Butler. or And again, fine players. Fine players. Great players, even, but this yeah, but is a situation. Locker room, right? exactly. Like it just becomes a mess. It becomes an absolute mess where they're overpaid slightly. It's gonna be a bad deal. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, what I read after the by deal the way, was twelve that, months ago, I would have welcomed Jimmy Butler. Now that he's blown up two, two or three franchises, I think I'm done. Yeah, uh, I I think uh, what I had read after, I think it might have been the Daily News or Post or one of the tabloids from New York, that uh, Porzingis' brother was also pushing for a bigger role with the Knicks, that he wanted some sort of job uh, guarantees as part of the move forward if Porzingis was to stay there. Now, take that for a grain of salt, especially from the sources, but you know that's intriguing as well. Of these hangers on, you know, can you consider a brother a hanger on? Sure. Um, forcing these kids again, 22, 23, 24 year olds, to make moves in their careers because they're not getting the full depth and breadth of the you know yellow M and M's taken out of the basket, uh, so you don't have to eat them. It, it's, I think the dynamics in New York are always going to be a mess because of James Dolan. You know, it's always the fear of Dolan, the fear of that situation. Uh, I but agree. Here, and I and I think it does. It will. Sorry, uh, sorry. Go ahead. Finish your point. No, no, no. I just think it's it, it's going to be a mess this year. It's going to be July first. Every Knicks fan should wake up and be fearful that it all goes wrong. I don't think they're going to get this right. I just I'm telling you that now. I have no faith in that they're going to get it right. And I didn't think Porzingis had to be moved because he was unhappy in the moment. So Anthony, da- so is Anthony Davis. So is right. Kyrie all the time. So is Jimmy Butler all the time. You don't have to trade them just because they say they want to be traded. Yes, you have to exact a lot of value if it is not salvageable. But that's a huge assumption. You can promise that guy and 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 try to repair. <coughs> 
the relationship and show him that you can land a big free agent and that he'll want to play with. What if Kevin Durant did come here? You think Zinger wouldn't want to be like, you know, I can deal with that. I'll play with KD and get a max deal here in New York where everybody yep. already loves me. So, um, so that's the deal. I, I do think it's problematic for the NBA that players uh, – I think it's cool that they have a lot of power, but I think it's also problematic that guys just demand a trade because they're not happy at the moment or they're not putting up enough shots. You know, it's just, you know, the the Golden State thing is a lot more complicated. You know, KD came in as somewhat of an outsider, and then he right. dominated. Obviously, they won a couple of titles with him, but Draymond is a different kind of dude. And if he gets the sense that you're not all in, you know, it, it obviously got heated to the point where he told KD on the court that you're not going to be here anyway. What do you care? Um, that's tough. That's a really difficult dynamic that Steve Kerr's got to deal with. Luckily, he gets to deal with it while he's coaching the best basketball team in the world. Right. But I understand that that egos get to a point where uh, somebody might want to tap out. It's... Uh... It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, we'll see if uh, somehow or another the Golden State Warriors implode. I think they just have too much talent to even implode. Like one player checks out, another one steps in. So uh, not, not too worried about that. But His brother demanding you, a job, by the way, in New York is silly. Like, no, you yep. don't get a job because you want one. Right. Everybody wants Land to work who, for the again, in, in basketball operations. Again, who knows the the absolute truth to that. But there were two different reports that that was part of the negotiation that was going on. And them bringing the meeting was, uh, and I forget his brother's name, so uh, it's Porzingis, so I can get away with that. But I don't remember his first yeah. name. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. We'll keep uh, everybody informed and up to date on any rumors or or possibilities that we hear about. And it is an intriguing point you bring up about the NBA and about the power of the Giannis players. Giannis Porzingis, by the way. It's there you Giannis. Oh, it, is it? That's amazing. Um, so we have uh, the NBA where the players do have a good deal of power, uh, where it's a league that is driven by the star power of the individual players. Uh, a great job. Honestly, I have to give the, the NBA kudos around the All-Star draft. They finally got that right. and It was fun. It was straightforward. Uh, Giannis had a great dig at LeBron, uh, where I don't know if everybody saw it, but uh, LeBron took Anthony Davis with the first reserve pick, and uh, Ernie Harwell, the host, said, uh, are, are you sure you want Anthony Davis as a teammate? And LeBron said, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And Giannis poked in with a, hey, isn't that tampering? Should we be talking about this? <laughs> Pretty funny. Well done by Giannis. Uh, so it was enjoyable, and I think that's the sort of thing fans want to see. And it is part because of what we do, not Mike and I specifically, but fantasy has has a severe hold on people. And, and drafts and the idea of drafting teams matters. And so seeing some uh, ownership uh, over the all-star rosters by these two players I think is awesome. So you shift yeah. from that to the NFL where players – have very little control. They are not on guaranteed contracts, a large majority of them. They're playing for franchises that are tanking, but in a weird way a lot of the time. Uh, and we have uh, franchises that are absolute messes uh, running out teams that are also messes. And uh, I, I thought an interesting topic this morning would be sort of taking off from the Jet story, and we'll bring that to you right now, on how nepotism sort of rules in the NFL, more so than probably any other industry out there. Maybe maybe somebody else can correct me if somebody wants to call in and tell me what's worse, uh, 844-843-6879. But 
Mike, you have the Jets here with a mess of a story. Greg Williams, uh, Adam Gaze, a father-in-law, a son, all sorts of things happening here where nepotism shining through and the same old Jets being who they are and just absolutely bungling here. Uh, you want to walk us through quickly uh, what exactly is going on that we can dive into some more of the coaching truly being a family affair in the NFL? Yeah, so Adam Gase is obviously the Jets' new head coach. He ends up hiring Greg Williams, which it was part – I was already a little uncomfortable with that for the reason that it seemed that Greg Williams was going to be the Jets' defensive coordinator, whether Adam Gase was the head yes, coach sir. or not. Absolutely. That's some of the Absolutely. stories that we heard, which means that Adam Gase didn't really have any control over that choice. So that's problem number one from the very beginning. And we all know that Greg Williams is a hard-ass, old-school guy – uh, I don't think he's a particularly easy guy to get along with, but he provided discipline for the Browns this year, and I give him credit. I think they were a totally undisciplined team, and he was able to provide that discipline, which is why they finished the back half of the season 5-3. and three. So kudos to him on that. I don't think he'll ever be a head coach because of his background, uh, which plays into this story that we're about to tell. So... so- uh, so problem that's problem number one. Problem number two is that Blake Williams is now going to be on the defensive staff in New York. He is the son of Greg Williams. And it turns out that Adam Gase actually pushed back on this hire. He was not a huge fan of Greg Williams hiring his son, Blake, (laughs) to be on this staff. Now, it turns out he's going to be an assistant. He's not going to be an actual positional coach. So they must have come to some sort of agreement. doesn't matter. He's effectively a coach on the staff, even if he's not a actual positional coach. Now, he was doing some play calling in Cleveland last week, but he's doing it all under the guise of Greg Williams. And there were some issues with him in the background like uh he has a reputation for people the wrong rubbing people the wrong way as a st louis rams assistant as the story goes according to abc7 ny the writer is i was gonna make sure oh this is rich samini rather so from espn so uh st louis rams assistant he set up he upset people in the organization by screaming at a draft prospect in a scouting combine interview he was also reprimanded multiple times for sitting in the wrong seat on the bus. He kept sitting in a seat reserved for a senior member of the staff. So that's an issue, right? Uh, the last piece, and the one that could be the most combustible, is that <sighs> Adam Gase's father-in-law is longtime NFL assistant Joe Vitt. Joe yep. Vitt is now going to be on staff with the Jets as a coach. The problem with Joe Vitt, and some of you may remember this, is he was the interim head coach in New Orleans when all of the Bounty Gate scandal went down in 2012, which got Greg Williams suspended from the NFL, fired from New Orleans, and all those tapes released. When I was referencing earlier that he'll never get a head coaching job, it is for this reason. Yep. What The cherry on top, oh, Vitt received a six-game ban, excuse me. Um, yeah. So he received a six uh, game ban. So he did not. He was not interim coach right from the start. So, uh, so the cherry on top is that Vitt testified in proceedings against Greg Williams, saying that um, I quote: "Players didn't take Williams seriously because of his quote false bravado and shtick." So in those bounty hearings, Vitt accused Williams of lying in his testimony. That is the actual cherry on top. So you have a father-in-law 
and a, the defensive coordinator who should obviously be at odds. Why would you ever trust somebody like that? Right. Like, it doesn't matter that Greg Williams was guilty. You don't want to hang out with the guy that sent you to prison, in this case, football prison. But uh, so they're on the same staff. And you have this. I don't know Blake Williams, but you start reading stories like this. He seems like he's sort of an entitled dude uh, that hasn't proven his uh, wares yet in the NFL, and now he's going to be on this staff. So that seems completely combustible to me beyond the crazy eyes that Gates was showing and the doubts that you already have with him. The only hope is that he gets Darnold to play his tail off. Uh, here, here. So I am a, a Jets fan. Uh, so I laid that out reason. all so com- so long, but I wanted to get well, into it's, technical. It's there, the, the details matter here. Uh, I think this is a mess waiting to happen. I, I think you're right. If they get Darnold to play well, it can all be forgiven. But it really speaks to the larger NFL nepotism issue where you just mentioned Williams being entitled. And listen, this is all from reading stories uh, and understanding exactly uh, where things come to be. Uh, in the NFL, but it sure does seem like for such a small league, X number of teams with X number of positions for coaches, there's a lot of, hey, he's my kid or, hey, he's my nephew. Uh, He's going to get the job. And so there are people out there who are trying to work their way up, who are trying to put in the time, who are doing the work and doing good work, who get left to the sidelines. There's a great Washington Post article from last year that lists out a small fraction of, of the coaching nepotism where you have uh, Texans assistant secondary, uh, secondary coach uh, Deonta Lynn is son of Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn. Bill's defensive backs coach Bobby Bab- Babich Jr. is son of Bill's linebacker coach Bob Babich. Redskins tight end coach Wes Phillips we know is Wade Phillips' son. Broncos quarterbacks coach Clint Kubiak is, uh, and scout Klein Kubiak are sons of former Broncos head coach Gary Kubiak. Now again... Talent begets talent. You see it in Major League Baseball all the time. You see it in the NFL. You see it in pro sports that this does get passed on. But a lot of the time, these are coaches who have not proven themselves outside of being related to ex-coach, to to a a Gaze or to a Williams or to a Kubidak. And that's rough. And, And you wonder how that plays in the locker room and how it plays in the coaches' room as they're learning on the job. We'll talk more about this on the other side of this break. We have MLB to get to. We'll talk a little bit about everything in the world of sports for the rest of our two hours here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Day, Dan Trapper, Mike Blewett. Back after this. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Trevor, Mike Blewett with you on this Saturday morning, going through all the week that was and what's ahead of us in sports, Fantasy Sports A, Fantasy Sports Radio Network, FNTSY. If you know an industry that has more nepotism than the NFL, I'd love to hear from you, 844-843-6879. 
Do you know one, Mike? Like, is there one top of mind? Maybe Hollywood? Is that like, is that another you think of uh, some random kids who have acted and pretty terrible, I guess, could be seen as nepotism? Uh, but I suppose there's a little bit of that, but a lot of times, like like sports, it's difficult if uh, a father is super successful for somebody to follow in their shoes or right. be better. Like for Michael Jordan's offspring to match him would have been impossible. You're seeing Denzel Washington's son is actually in a bunch of stuff right now. and He's got a little bit of a career going, but to reach the heights of what Denzel Washington will do will be virtually impossible. Um, that would be really difficult. Um, there, There's plenty of industries where nepotism comes into play, but you've hit on something interesting in the coaching ranks because there's guys that are getting their stripes before they've earned them. And I, whenever this topic comes up, I always think of David Shula. So David Shula, Don Shula's son, became a head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals when he was 32. And he was absolutely awful. And they went 19 and 52 until he finally got fired mid-season, and he left coaching, and he went to run their steakhouse business. Don Shula's steakhouses are really popular in Florida and other parts of the country, uh, and it expanded them internationally. And I'm just reading a story now. He actually returned to coaching last year after a 22-year layoff. He uh, decided to become the wide receivers coach at Dartmouth which is where he went to school. Um, so I guess some some sort of deal where he's effectively in retirement. He's, let me think, 60, 50. So he's 60 years old. Is that right? Yep. Think. Let me do the math. Yeah, he's just turning 60. So he didn't coach from the time he was 38 to the time he was 60. And he became a head coach of the NFL. In that scene, they were interviewing at the same time Bill Cower, and they chose David Shula. This is before Tony Dungy could get a head coaching job. Right. I remember Tony Dungy for a while. He was very indicative of the lack of comfort that NFL owners had with black coaches and certainly black head coaches. Uh, it was like institutional racism playing out in front of you because Tony Dungy had done quite a bit and could not get a gig until Tampa finally hired him. But guys like David Shula were getting jobs, and he had no business being an NFL head coach. Well, clearly, uh, knowing how exactly to prepare a porterhouse and wide receivers are exactly the same thing. So I yeah, I, like he had been in coaching. Like it's not like he left the steakhouse to go coach, but like he had no resume to suggest other than his father was who he was that he should right. be an NFL head coach at thirty two. Can you explain your uh, experience to us? Yeah, you know, over Thanksgiving dinner, we usually talk a lot about uh, <laughs> yeah. breaking right. down wide receivers. It's it's crazy, and it happens all across. You look more than anywhere at the NFL, and it does seem to be. You don't see it nearly as much in the NBA, um, if at all, to be quite honest. Um, now, maybe that will change as some of these players grow up, and you do see the Austin Rivers of the world, but he's made his way in the NBA. He was drafted. He plays. Is he great? No, but... Um, he, he did go to a big-time college basketball team, and you you wonder if, if his name wasn't Rivers, if he wasn't Doc Rivers' son, would it be the same? Maybe not. Um, but that sounds more like priv- privilege than nepotism, really. Um, beyond that— A good example, though, Steph Curry is better than Dell. Oh, sure. Yeah, 
That so is that's an that example is one of a guy. Dale Curry had a really good long career in the NBA, but Steph's better than him. Yeah, I think you do. Yeah, you do get occasionally the player. It will be interesting to see with Vlad Jr. in Major League Baseball. Uh, now, being better than his dad would be a Ken feat. Griffey. Ken, yeah, Ken Griffey Jr., Ken Griffey Sr. That's good. That's actually a good uh, for future show. Uh, a good topic. Uh, the the kids who have outshined their their dads uh, when it comes to professional sports. Pat Mahomes uh, is looking good right now. Kobe Bryant. Yeah. His dad played. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you have a bit, but we'll get to that at a different time. Pat Mahomes is, is a really good one. Um, I assume everybody saw his NBA, uh, his NBA, his basketball highlight where the spin move to the lane. And the best was seeing a lot of NFL players saying, no, I have no problem with Pat Mahomes playing basketball. Unless he tears an ACL, then it was the stupidest thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah uh, that, that's the case, right? It, it there's really a lot is. of stuff in their contracts preventing them from doing that. But at the same time, it's hard to prevent an athlete that is good at a, You tend to forget. I think this was indicative of your Jets fan. So uh, when Josh McCown was playing with the Jets, these old clips of him playing hoops resurfaced from like a charity yep. game uh, when he was with the Tampa Bay Bucks. And he's a ridiculously good basketball player. Jump yep. shots, dunks, spin moves, the whole thing. And you f- sometimes forget, like, oh, yeah, when they were growing up, they were just good at everything. Well, and that, so that's the, the um, we, this is not a topic we're going to get into right here, but it's that intriguing story of do you specialize in one sport or do you play multiple sports as a, a teen, right? As, a, as a, a young adult and teenager in high school specifically, is it better off for men and women to focus on one sport, say basketball, uh, football for men, uh, whether it's softball or baseball, and just hunker down and you do that all year round? Or are you better off being a three-sport athlete, if you're good enough at each sport, obviously, to well-round your body, to make sure you're covering off on all those muscles you use and and the difference in team dynamics and all that. I know Kevin Euclid has been a really outspoken uh, person on Twitter about play multiple sports. Play multiple sports. Yeah. Get to know all of them and see what you like the most. Don't just focus on one early on because that's going to sour you out pretty quickly. Uh, but it is an intriguing storyline, and as science and sports science continues to move forward, uh, will be one to, to keep an eye on. Did want to touch as we talk about the NFL. The NFL never really sleeps anymore. Uh, it used to be uh, that the NFL, after the Super Bowl, sort of went away. <laughs> you didn't hear about yeah. them really until training camp or until the draft. Um, but you didn't worry. There was no hot stove. There hasn't been one for Major League Baseball, but there was no hot stove in the NFL. There's no discussion around who was going where, what trades might happen before the draft, where draft prospects were going. But that's really changed over the past probably 10 years or so, where all of a sudden NFL really is a product that is around all year long. I want to touch on the NFL. Also want to get your take. Are you into the A the AAF, right? Is that what it is? American Alliance of yeah. Football or... Alliance of, Amer- <laughs> Alliance of American Football. I can't say that I'm going to – I'll take a look at it for sure. I'm going to be in Vegas Trent tomorrow. Richardson, baby. Come on. Yeah, yeah. there's some quarterback names out there too. But I, I'm going to be in Vegas. I'll be a sportsbook, excuse me, at some point in order to – You're going to have to get some sleep if you're going to Vegas. Uh, Blew it. Come believe on. me, bud. I'm, I'm, on Ny- I'm coming off of a NyQuil uh, sleep, so that's why I'm still <laughs> a little groggy. But I apologize. Apologies to the listeners. So I would say that I'll probably be in a sportsbook, and it'll make it actually easier for me to watch than being at home because I, I know it'll be on, and there's going to be some degenerates gambling on it. I think uh, the Arizona hot shots are plus 250 to win the whole thing. So – 
uh, as I, you know, I, I call other people degenerates, but I know the this the futures odds on the AAF teams. So right. uh, I think I think they'll be on, um, and I'll I'll watch a little bit of it. Am I super pumped to watch a lower level of football right after the Super Bowl? No, and I, I'm as big a football fan as there is, but uh, I'll take a look at it just because. I'm sure teams will find a couple of these players are worthy of giving another shot. I think what I saw with a lot of the names as I was going through the rosters, there's a surprising amount of names that I don't recognize. But I think with the amount of name, I think a lot of the names you see out there are guys whose best playing days probably are behind them. Do you know what I mean? I don't think there's going to be a lot of reclamation stories out of this league where, yeah, he went to the AAF and he showed he could ball out and he killed it. And now he's uh, starting for the Raiders. Like, I don't think I think you'll get one or two of those tops. Well, it's Uh, interesting. connection. Some of those guys are like late 20s, probably had an injury, couldn't really stick with a team. And they're just playing out the string. I I think you're going to see quarterbacks because they're just recycled at this point, backup quarterbacks in the NFL. So maybe a Hackenberg or uh, what, uh, was it Mettenberg? No, what was his name? Was it Mettenberg? Jack Mettenberger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is, is out there too. I think they're on the same team actually uh, in the AAF. Uh, what I do find intriguing is uh, for those of you who follow baseball, there's uh, obviously major leagues and then you have the minor leagues that are affiliated ball. And then you have unaffiliated uh, baseball, which is independent leagues. And you have a team like the Long Island Ducks, uh, the Somerset Patriots, uh, a lot of teams in the Northeast. There's some out west too, where players do go uh, late in their careers to try to hang on, and maybe once in a while come back. This is a little different in that the way the NFL works and roster spots. I agree with Mike that you're not going to see 50 players from the AAF show up in the NFL next year. You're probably going to see four or five. You're probably going to see four or five guys who may have been signed anyway, right? May have had a workout somewhere and thrown for somebody and gotten signed will just show out here in live game action. What I do find most interesting here, Mike, is the rule changes. That's what I I'm looking forward to in the AAF and XFL, to be honest, like the, the original incarnation of the XFL was a mess, but there were things that people saw and were like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. I think the rule changes around two point conversions. I think the rule changes around onside kicks are intriguing. So for those of you who don't know, you have to go for two. That's one. Onside kicks don't exist. Uh, there is a point spread, I believe, in the AAF. I have to confirm this, that if you're down by 17 or more, you can then go for a fourth and 10 conversion. So basically, you score, and then you can say, hey, we're going to go for it in fourth and 10, I believe, on the other team's 35. If you get it, you keep the ball. If you don't, it's the other team's ball, and they start on offense. And I find that really intriguing from a no game theory and from right. And so no, no again, like soccer ball in twenty five. I like that, and I get there are purists out there who say, "Oh, you know, they're they're making the the sport too soft." And I don't agree with those people. But one, player injuries are a legit, legitimate concern. Concussions are a legitimate concern. When do those happen most? Kickoffs and punts. When these players are running full speed down a field and just crashing into each other. So if they can protect one or two more people by doing that, great. But even further, I like the game theory of it. I like the idea of having to go and make an offensive play to keep the ball. And if you don't convert it, the other team gets it. It's silly, but it's how you played in the backyard, right? You were never punting the ball. 
when you're playing a pickup game of football, you, you kept playing. Um, and I like that. And there's uh, some great offensive ideas to be born out of this. And I, I think it'll be fun to see if this can be used as a test ground for future NFL rule changes. Um, so yeah, I'm intrigued I, by I'm that. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I, I think it'll be interesting. You know, the one thing that the XFL provided the NFL that people don't always uh, tie to it, they, they did a lot with TV coverage. It's not necessarily rule changes, but the sky cam that's pervasive now throughout the NFL, which right. gives you sort of the Madden-esque look at it, that started in the XFL. So it was something that they borrowed, a te- technique that they borrowed, which has become – commonplace now in all football games particularly in the nfl games so yeah i think it's always interesting to try these different rules and, and to take a look and see how it's bet i mean it's great for the nfl because they don't have to invest in it exactly. at all they can just watch it see if it works and decide to go with it i have thought for some time that the the clock is ticking on kickoffs anyway so for this league to embrace it uh, i think is probably just another step towards the NFL, you know, the, the NFL has been looking at this, so uh, they don't have to concede that it was the AAF's idea. Now, they have been looking right. at it. And well, I think that, dude, there's so, here's the problem with it more than anything else. Like, even when there's a big play, it's called back for a penalty most of the time. Sure. Uh, the Steelers yep. had Antonio Brown, forget all the drama, the Steelers had Antonio Brown returning punts for years. And it drove me nuts because it was putting him in at risk. And any time he broke one for even 25 yards, it came back. So there was no reward. It was extremely high risk and no reward. He never broke one for a touchdown. And any time he did break one for a good gain, it came back. And kickoffs are often the same way. There's a block in the back. There's a hole. There's penalties on every kick. So it's just whether or not they feel like throwing the flag. So... Uh, We'll see. But, I, you know, I, I'll take a look at some of these QBs. There's some interesting names out there. Um, Iowa's Akram Wadley, who is actually a draft pick of the Titans this year, he's going to uh, he's going to be on one of these teams. He's on the Atlanta Legends. So uh, that'll be interesting. Denard Robinson. You know, you got some coaches in there, too. Mike Vick is the offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Legends. So, um, we'll see. We'll see how this, uh, this play ends up. They're rushing it more than the XFL is rushing it, but it's not terribly put together like the first XFL was. Those guys didn't have a lot of time to practice together. So, you know, there's going to be some familiar faces out there. Uh, You do have Mike Martz leading the San Diego fleet. So remember the greatest show on turf. I do want to touch, you you make the great point, and this allows me to bring up Rutgers on the show, which is always fun. Greg Schiano uh, going to New England uh, to be the defensive coordinator there. Um, No brainer. But he was somebody who was very much vocal about removing kickoffs from football, uh, mainly because Eric Legrand, who uh, was a Rutgers player, was paralyzed uh, during a kickoff against Army at Giant Stadium on October 16th, um, 2008, 2009, somewhere in there. Um, And he's uh, been paralyzed ever since. So Shano and and, uh, Legrand are very close, and Shano's been very much a vocal supporter of that. So to your point, it's not that the AF showed up and said, hey, we're doing it differently, and the NFL needs to adopt it. It's been something brought up, and with the kicks being moved up five yards, 
so many kicks go out of the end zone anyway. You know, it's it's just it's a formality now that the kickoff happens, and there is some uh, strategy. You'll see the the Pats, of course, of all teams, kick it short. You know, kick it to the two or the three, or try to at least to force a return and see if their coverage team can get down there and and uh, not give them the 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 better field position. But lots of things to watch. It may not be the best football. It may be wa- like watching minor league. Baseball to a good deal, lots of fastballs, uh, but uh, I think it's at least going to be intriguing to see some of these players who didn't get a full look in the NFL get full run here and see if somebody can make their way back and also the rule changes. So we want to talk about some of those NFL uh, trade rumors. A Dolphins wide receiver probably going to be cut. Could he go to New England? It's definitely possible. Something to keep in mind as we turn the page to the 9 o'clock hour here on the East Coast. So glad you are with us here on Fantasy Sports Today. Dan Stratford, Mike Blewett with you for another hour leading up to the top of the hour at 10. Right here, Fantasy Sports Today on FNTSY, the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.